I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Sunday, February 6th, 2022, and this is episode 157 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is that we did the cover reveal for the fairy tale anthology that I'm a part of through Fantasy Romance February. The anthology is called Once Upon a Forbidden Desire, and it is available for pre-order now. It releases in September of this year, so we're pretty early, but um, it's over 20 fairy tales and other stories of forbidden love. I am doing my gender-swapped Red Riding Hood remix. It's not really a retelling. It's just a story inspired by Little Red Riding Hood, but with the heroine who is a wolf shifter soldier. And our hero is a young man cutting wood for his grandmother and visiting her and visiting her and helping her out. And they go on an adventure and um yeah, it's a lot of fun. So check it out. There's a link in the show notes. I put it on my website. I also updated my entire website uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. I mean, when I say my entire website, I mean, <laughs> I updated the store. I added this anthology to the book section and I completely redid the store because I am going to do a sale, which I'll announce here first. So you get it first. I'm just doing a 50% off sale of select ebooks in my backlist that I sell on my web store. So my self-published ebooks, the code is Valentine 22. That will be in the show notes. Also, it should be valid until the end of February, 2022. So if you would like to check out some of my self-published ebooks, which are the um, novellas for Earthsinger Chronicles, Angel Born, Angel Fall, Cupid Guild, and I think that's it, unless I'm forgetting something. <laughs> Those are on sale for 50% off with the coupon. I'm excited to try to push more people to the online store for my self-published stuff. Um, I'm sure a lot of people don't even know it's there. And uh, yeah, so we'll see how this works out. It's a grand marketing experiment. Speaking of marketing, I do want to start doing a weekly update of what I've done that week to market Savage City. I think it will be a good accountability for me since I need an extra push to do marketing. So I will keep you guys abreast. And every week I want to do something. So Savage City comes out March 31st. Uh, we have a little less than eight weeks, I guess. Seven weeks, maybe. I have to count it until that date. And so this week, what did I do? My agent had submitted the audio deal to Publishers Marketplace, and I was planning on promoting that. So Publishers Marketplace is the place where deal announcements happen when you do a publishing deal with traditional publishing. The only problem was uh, they need three months, which I didn't realize until now. They will not publish your deal if it's within three months. So obviously, we were within that time period, so they wouldn't publish it. So I just went ahead and did a blog post on my blog and put it on social media, officially announcing that the Savage City trilogy, the audio rights were purchased by Orange Sky and there's going to be audiobooks. And then Orange Sky gave me the Audible pre-order link. So I added that to the post. So if you want, if you are interested in pre-ordering this audiobook, it's available for you via Audible. I think other pre-order links will be coming if you're not a fan of Audible. So that was the one thing I did this week. Um, I should check my pre-order numbers. The pre-orders for the paperback, the signed paperback copy that I'm actually selling from my website store are going really well, like at this point, much higher than I suspected. So I will have to be putting in an order sometime soon. I did get my proof from 
Barnes and Noble. So I've gotten the Amazon proof of the print paperback and the Barnes and Noble one. I'm still waiting on draft to digital and it looks great. There is a little bit of variation in the color. If you're on the video, you probably can't even see it, but um, the Amazon one is a little bit more gold and the Barnes & Noble one is a little bit more brown. There's also a slight variation in the height of these books. It's like less than a centimeter probably, but I notice it when they're on the shelf. And that's print on demand for you. It's gonna be variations in um, the page, the paper quality, the print, printing, like all kinds of things can vary because they're just spitting it out of a machine. It's not the same quality as if you were doing a print run, like a traditional print run. But overall, I'm really happy with the proofs. Um, things look great. So I'm excited for this to come out and for me to I'll order, you know, once I get closer, order enough copies to cover the pre-orders and then potential future sales from the website. I'm shipping to US and Canada, um, media mail in the US. The shipping is quite a bit higher for Canada, just but I had to ship some books to Canada a few months ago. So I did go through and look at the shipping rates. And so it's just, you know, covering the costs is going to be high. And I made an announcement on my newsletter that if people outside of the US and Canada want to buy a paperback from me, they can email me directly and we can figure out the shipping. I, I can't put it in the store because I have to sort of enter in the shipping amounts. And I don't know for whatever countries those are. But um, I'm willing to, you know, try on a case-by-case -case basis because it's not probably going to be very many people. Anyway, that is the marketing update. Writing update. I am moving forward with the 1830 story. Uh, so I had taken the week before off because I was finishing the synopsis, which I turned in. So the synopsis for my second Orbit book, turned that in, waiting to hear back from my editor on, on what she thinks about that. So this week was all about the 1830 story, which is something I can't really tell you much more about because it's collaborative. It's, um, you know, it was a situation where I was approached to write the story. So it doesn't originate from me, but I kind of redid the entire plot. And now I'm working on the book proposal so that we can sell the book. So my goals this week were chapters seven and eight. I did seven. I did half of eight. So I, I already knew that I was going to be pushing it into this coming week to finish chapter eight. And then because the way I write is, you know, discovery writer, as much as I'm a plotter, I'm still a discovery writer. So I discovered some really great things as I was writing those first seven and a half chapters. And now I have to go back in and thread it through, which of course is why I believe in fast drafting. Um, I did fast draft the first uh, eight-ish chapters, maybe eight or nine chapters. But then I, after that, I moved a bunch of things around and I still hadn't, you know, sometimes you don't make those discoveries until you're polishing it and you're getting those fine-grained details. That fast draft is just about, as my um, screenwriting professor, Haile Grima, used to say, vomiting out the story. You know, your first draft is, a, is just vomit. <laughs> and then um, the second draft is cleaning it and the metaphor falls apart. But because I can't really clean up vomit and make it into anything else. Uh, but it's not until I'm doing that cleaning, making those decisions, um, figuring out the magic system that I really discovered something that I have to go back now and weave through, make sure it makes sense. It also changed what has to happen in chapter eight because I added sort of a magical battle earlier that I didn't think was going to be there or I didn't think it was going to happen the way that it ended up happening. And in chapter eight, which is the break into act two, 
there was another like magical incident, but the, the weight of it or the mechanics of it have to change because I've already introduced some kind of magic during this magical battle that now I have to figure out, okay, I have to raise the stakes while being consistent to what I've already laid out in the world building and the magic building. So chapter eight will probably take another two days. Then I'll spend the rest of the week going back, cleaning up, layering. By the end of this week, which is later than I wanted, I wanted to be this to be done at the end of January. But anyway, I'm close. Well, I really wanted this to be done at the end of December. But then new deadline was end of January and new new deadline is end of this week. I'll be ready to send it off for feedback and hopefully they will approve it and put it on submission. I came across an interesting article on Medium. Um, it's called Story Versus Plot. And I will link to that because I think I and a lot of people use story and plot interchangeably. And this makes a, a case for there being a difference between the two. So this article says that the story is who the characters are, what conflicts they face, and the story world where this all happens. Whereas the plot flips this and covers the how, the when, and the why. So plot is the tool that allows you to tell the story, whereas story is what is actually happening. And maybe I do make a distinction between the two, because usually I have the story in my head, you know, and all of the, like, for example, with the second Orbit book, I had the basics of the story. You know, I had uh, a small idea, or the Monsters We Defy, which I can talk about more. My fantasy heist novel, you know, I knew I wanted to do a fantasy heist. That's kind of the story. Inside of that, you know, you get, there's going to be several people, a team of people come together to steal something, um, and it goes wrong in some way. That's kind of what heists are. So that's the story. The plot was a whole nother thing. Although by this definition, my story should have included more about the characters, the who, and I didn't know any of the who, but I knew there were people. I knew there was a heist has to have, you know, a ragtag team, which is like part of the book description for monsters. Um, so the who, the what, and the where. I knew it was going to be a DC story. Plot, how, when, and why. It may or may not be useful. I thought it was an interesting way to delineate that and um, to think about how to describe what you're actually working on, what you're writing. Usually you're going to describe it via the story as opposed to the plot. Also, I came across the Daily Stoic Instagram account. This is run by Ryan Holiday, author of the book, The Obstacle is the Way, which I read years ago. Um, and so Stoicism is sort of a philosophy in ancient Greek, I think, in origination. There's a lot of quotes from people like Marcus Aurelius and Socrates, but I think not only do they relate to real life, they relate really well to character development and character conflict. So for example, one of the quotes on the Instagram page, the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. And I think that's where he got the title of the book, The Obstacle is the Way. And when you think about character arcs, you know, a growth arc, a change arc, you're always trying to come up with conflicts for your characters and you want them to grow. So they grow because they face the conflicts and they overcome them and then they change. They learn something about themselves. They grow stronger. They get out of, you know, they overcome their wound or their lie. They find the truth of the story. And that is all about 
using those obstacles for personal growth, which is part of the philosophy. Another quote from the account says, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. That's by Viktor Frankl. And yeah, I just, I found this account interesting for thinking about characters and their development. You know, characters try to approach a situation while being in their lie, their misbelief, while being in their flaw. And, you know, they're trying to solve the problem the way they always have. And the story is about them learning to solve the problem in a different way. And by doing that, they grow and change and complete their character arc. They come out on the other side, able to grab victory in the situation uh, by changing themselves and growing. And this is in a positive change arc. There are negative change arcs and flat arcs also, but I primarily have been writing positive change arcs. So I started following this account. Um, I think stoicism can be helpful. I mean, it's all about overcoming the challenges in your life and using the challenges as a point of personal growth, which I find really inspiring and a helpful, a helpful way to think about the things that go wrong. And just like a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about going through personal challenges and then realizing something about the character that I was working on and how how she would be going through these challenges and just something about um, her, her backstory and her wound and trying just to make that worse. That The impetus behind that was to, you know, make the, the challenges more difficult so that her growth is more powerful and impactful. And I was inspired by my own challenges and struggles. And I think that's also why we read, you know, that's why, at least in Western literature, it's so much about that arc, that growth, because the idea is that it inspires us. We read about heroes overcoming, you know, the battle of good versus evil. All of that is supposed to inspire us and give us strength, motivation, um, inspiration for facing our own challenges. That's that's part of what's great about fiction and stories and storytelling. And one of those things that is just the human quality of storytelling, why my storytelling is a part of humanity. It's how we teach those lessons. It's how we, you know, transfer this information to other people. And I guess, you know, things like that come at the right time when you when you sort of need a little bit of support or proof evidence, I guess, you know, that not only can you handle things that are coming at you, because life is still tough, you know? A lot of people are going through a lot of difficult times right now. And I think just all aspects of our culture, you can find ways to strengthen yourself or to bolster yourself in fiction, in philosophy, in poetry. We were just watching the movie The Big Short this morning, and um, it's about the financial crisis. But they have little quotes on screen sometimes, and there was a quote, something about everybody hates poetry. And I was like, that's not true. A lot of people really like poetry. A lot of people are inspired by poetry. And um, yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> like, who are these people that actually hate poetry? Like, you can hate bad poetry, but good poetry can change your entire life, can like make your brain just wake up and take note. So all these things go into the the mind blender and and serve as fertilizer, I guess, for whatever 
ideas are going to come in the future. I write a regular column for Galaxy's Edge magazine, and I just turned mine in, and it was about turning an idea into a story. And so talking about inspiration and all of these things, you know, I I'm constantly on the lookout for inspiration and I'm I'm trying to live my life open so that I can receive it. And part of that is filling the well because I need these ideas to be constantly flowing into me into this me- mental blender so that I can make a <laughs> make a story smoothie. We're moving on. I watched the show In From the Cold on Netflix. I watched the whole thing. It is not a great show. It's it's watchable. I was entertained by it until the very end. So this is a show about um, a forty a woman in her 40s who was a single mother who, as it turns out, was a Russian spy in her youth. She left. She went to the United States and changed her entire identity and hid and got married, had a kid, got divorced. And so she's on a trip with her daughter in Spain, where it takes place, and then she's recruited back by a rogue CIA agent. Lots of fighting, lots of really great fighting. Um, too much fighting for me. Like, you know, I like a good stunt fight, but um, part of it was that I think for the story, you know, this woman, she's in her mid-40s, and uh, she gets her ass kicked a lot. <laughs> like, she ends up on top because she's the heroine of the story, but uh, a lot of a lot of fighting. And twists, and too many twists. So like I said, I'm not going to spoil this. Watch it if you want. I'm not recommending the show. I'm just saying. It entertained me for several hours of my life. I don't feel like it was wasted. But at the end, the very end of the show, there is a twist that was too much. And sometimes people take twists too far. And it started making me think about what makes a bad twist, you know, like... I've gotten feedback on several like developmental edits that there weren't enough twists and turns, both for Savage City and The Monsters We Defy. So I went back in at my revision and tried to make, you know, a few twists and turns, especially with a heist story, you need more twists. And that was really good feedback. But like, there's there's definitely cases when the creator or the writers have taken twists too far, and every twist isn't a good twist. And I think what makes a bad twist is when it negates what's happened before. You know, it should add something. It shouldn't take something away. And for me, the twist in this television show was like, no, I'm sorry. You can't do that. (laughs) So if anyone has seen it, leave me a comment or email me. I would love to talk about it. I was scouring the internet. I I finally came across a Reddit um, channel or whatever they call those things where they were talking about this show. But I assume that not many people are watching it because it's not great. It's got a sci-fi element to it, which at the end of the first episode, you know, drew me in. And they're really good with their hooks. The end of the episode's like right on a cliffhanger. So it's kind of like you have to watch. It's very, you know, perfect for binging. And uh, I was just interested enough to keep watching the whole eight episodes, I believe it is. But yeah, thinking about twists and I would love to do really good twists, you know, that's that's um, a challenge for a writer to make it feel like the sixth sense when it's got to be inevitable, but surprising. Like they say that endings of books should be inevitable, but surprising, but twists should also be like, so the, the point where you can look back at the rest of it and be like, they were leading me here the whole time. I just didn't know it. Those are the best kind. And 
I'm sure they're very difficult to write. I'm also going to link to a fun video that I saw on NFTs, which is fairly critical of NFTs and uh, kind of aligns with my thinking about them. I know that author and podcaster Joanna Penn, who considers herself a futurist, is really excited about them. Other people are very excited about them. I respect her a lot. I respect, you know, people who are on the cutting edge. I'm admittedly not on the cutting edge of anything. I'm always a little bit behind. You know, I I graduated college in uh, 99, and then I went to the West Coast in 2001 and worked for a startup. But it was a little too late. You know, it was like, I'm always just a few steps behind, which I, I've grown to accept in my life. And I'm naturally cautious and naturally suspicious of everyone and everything, as one of my friends told me. I will cop to that too. But something about this mm, doesn't make any sense to me. And after watching The Big Short this morning and Dope Sick, you know, the past couple of weeks, I think we need to lean into our skepticism of things that don't make any sense, even when there are structures out there that are saying, oh, this is good, this is good. And you're like, but wait, I don't understand it. Why would anyone want this thing? And they're like, oh no, it's really cool, but because it's scarce, but it doesn't exist. I'm going to be, you know, if it turns out that I'm wrong and they're wonderful and everyone's going to have them in 10 years, so be it. But right now it doesn't make any sense to me. And there's some significant issues that I see with them. So I'm not going anywhere near NFTs anytime soon. If you are one of these people who are excited about them, please let me know. If you are just waiting to buy a digital special edition and own a virtual version of an ebook that says you are the only one who owns it, even though it's not a thing that is real, let me know. <laughs> I'm interested to hear from you. And that's it for me for this week. My goals are to complete this 1830s project, chapter eight, and my revision, clean it up, get it out of here. And I was thinking maybe I would take a few days off. That is very unusual for me. I'm usually diving right into the next thing, but I'm feeling like I might need some time off. And whether that means I'm still plotting, because I still need to work on plotting Orbit Book 2, like in finer detail. Or maybe it means I take a week off and just work on some craft stuff. I signed up for some courses that I haven't taken, <laughs> as usual. And I would like to take them, learn. I have a book, the, a book called Make a Scene, which has been on my shelf for like a year, and I've been meaning to read it. So I'm, I'm strongly leaning towards taking at least a week to not write. We'll see how that works out. But I hope that you have a wonderful week and I will talk to you next week. For episode show notes and to sign up for the footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. I would really appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts. 